Thank you all for tuning in to episode number four of the Not So Humble Bradcast here on CKCC Radio. As always, I am Chris O'Mealy, your host. I want to thank everybody who's listened to the previous three episodes, a lot of very positive feedback, and I want to thank everybody who has signed up to be interviewed on this show. The sign-up sheet is getting very, very long. I may actually have to pause it for a little bit because currently... The people who have signed up the most recently will not get interviewed until closer to the summer. This is awesome, and I love that, but, you know, I can only do one of these a week right now, guys. I work two full-time jobs. It's, uh, plus the wrestling thing, as you guys know. But I'll get to you. I promise. I'll get to you. We're, we're chatting. Everybody's talking. Everybody's been great. The listenership's been great. The sponsors have been great. I'm going to start sounding like Tony Khan now if I keep saying great too much, so we'll cut that back. And speaking of professional wrestling, that's the connection that I have with my guest on this week's episode. He is an independent professional wrestler, the first indie wrestler I'm actually going to interview, Chris Decker being a referee, not a wrestler. So I hope this is going to be the first of hundreds of independent wrestlers who come on the show and chat with me. He's also the host of his very own podcast. He did some time in the military, and he is a dad, and we're going to talk all about that. Please welcome to the show, Clifford Miller. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing well. Can't complain. I mean, I will complain, but you know how life is. Of course. Life is life. Life always be life, as I like to tell people. <laughs> oh, you, you got that right. And um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into this on this show because we're gonna, we're focusing on Clifford's story. We're not focusing on anything happening in the mainstream, but it's a really weird time to be a wrestling fan right now. We're recording this episode on the last day of January in 2024. And I don't know when you guys are listening back to this. You might be listening to it months from now, but for those of you who are tuning in, the Vince McMahon stuff just happened. You know what I'm talking about. The, um, there's still some stuff happening on the other side, but we're also in like this weird boom period where everything is really great in all these products. So how are you feeling about mainstream wrestling right now? Uh, I love it. I love, I, you know, I think, I think the only thing I don't like about mainstream wrestling is the tribalism, but that's like neither here nor there. I don't really care about that part as much, but I think wrestling right now is on a whole new level of like just awesome it's a great time to be a part like of not just the indie scene or you know like whatever however people want to talk about like the levels of like uh indie wrestling but like when you look at places like uh you look at tna now re-emerging after you know being impact for so long tna coming back and they're hitting full force you've got ring of honor doing great you've got new japan new japan strong you've got so much other like fun wrestling that's like tearing it up and then of course you know you have the two juggernauts of like aew and wwe just like just running stuff and i'm i'm always so hyped like seeing just wrestling just have so much fun but like i could do without the tribalism like people are like aew is better wwe is better like who cares just enjoy the product you have that's that's to me is it's the best there's like a positive and a negative to it too because the positive side is it's great to see that passion coming out of people and to feel that passion, but when it starts getting to, like, the personal attacks, and and you know this, you've been in the business a couple of years now, so you know, you one of the first things you learn when you get into the business is you don't know anything. It's like the yeah, first thing I remember is, wow, I don't know anything that I thought I knew. And 
it, it can get kind of frustrating to see the argumentative side where people are like explaining to us what it means to be a good worker. And it's like, how many bumps have you taken? Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild to think that like someone, someone can tell me that like, I've, I've had people like on my, like not that I'm plugging my social medias out there right there, but on TikTok, I've had people tell me that I don't know tag team wrestling because like I had mentioned that like, you know, part of me, like, I do like watching, like, the Young Bucks do, like, their thing. And someone told me that, like, well, you don't know what real wrestling is. Like, oh, well, first of all, let me tell you what my five top five tag teams are of all time. And when I tell them that Legion of Doom is number one, they're like, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, man. Like, I did it. I, I did. I, 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 I was like, yeah, just stop. Just stop talking. Seriously. Like, <laughs> like, even if their style wasn't your thing, you can't deny the Road Warrior pop. That was the thing. Right. Like, the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the, yeah, Road Warriors, even though, like I said, I'm, I, even I'll admit their style wasn't necessarily for me, but I've always put them in my top tag teams too. Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express. Um, I have a soft spot for Ar- Arn and Tully. I always love them as a yeah. team. Right now, my favorite tag team is FTR. And I yes. think they're just like in their league of their own. Let's kind of turn the clock back a little bit here and let's talk about Young Clifford and how Young Clifford became a wrestling fan. Uh, I got exposed to wrestling probably the coolest way of anybody's story. I don't care what anybody got to tell me. Whether you were born in the business, not that I'm like trying to, you know, shit on people who was like born into the business. But for me, I woke up a Saturday morning. My aunt was wanting to uh, talk to me about just like watching cartoons and stuff like that because Saturday morning cartoons. And then um, uh, right afterwards, the WWE came – well, WWF at the time came on, and they're recapping a thing that had happened – on a previous show where, you know, this guy gets tangled up in the, in the top and middle rope. And then this other dude decides that he's going to let his giant Cobra bite this man several times in the arms. <laughs> and that's how I got, that's how I got introduced. That's how I got introduced to, to this play, to this crazy world. And I was like, yo, is it like this all the time? And my aunt was trying to cover my eyes and she's like, no, 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 it's not like this. Don't, don't, don't watch this. And I was like, no, but this is so cool. So yeah. You know, and obviously, like years later, I would find out that I was, uh, you know, Jake the Snake Roberts and, and Macho Man and their segment and stuff. But it was it that was kind of like the thing that spurred me over. And I was like, you know, what is this that I'm watching? And then later on, a couple of years later, I would be randomly in this place called Mitchell, Nebraska. I would uh, be watching. I'd be flipping through the, uh, the shows and I'd land on TBS. And then Saturday night main event was on. And I saw this young guy come out of the crowd going, come on, baby. And uh, I was like, oh, I don't know who this guy is, but they kept referring to him as the Lionheart. And so I would go back every week and start paying attention. And then I remember uh, then a little bit later, uh, they were like, hey, if you like what you're watching on Saturday, come join us on Monday night for Monday Nitro. And I was like, I'm in. I don't even know what this is. And then I saw this dude in pink come out and beat this man of a thousand holds. And I was like, this is this is everything I wanted to be. And then I found out that on another channel on Monday nights was another show where other like wrestling was happening. And this bald dude used to come out and hit people with what was called a stunner. And then there's this dude named this dude named Rocky Maivia who had just debuted. And yeah, so who's like, that guy? And I felt, yeah, and then I wonder I just, if he'll ever I fell in love with it. Yeah, it was weird. Yo, this Rocky dude was just, it was crazy, man. He had like this crazy hairdo and like blue tassels and like 
blue trunks and was hitting people with a shoulder breaker. I was like, yo, I was just, I was in awe. And I just, I became a fan and then I just, I stayed and just enjoyed the ride from, from then on. A lot of people have that similar story too. Like they see the really cool moment in wrestling that sticks with them. The very first thing I ever saw in professional wrestling was Hogan body slamming Andre. And that was like that larger than life moment. And I'll never, ever forget that. Like my buddy at the time is like, you're going to see the coolest thing ever. I'm like, okay. And then that was the coolest thing I had ever seen at the time. And I was a little kid that blew my mind to watch somebody that big just get manhandled. Yes. I, that was a moment where like I had to go back and watch because like, uh, I mean, I to to not date myself. Like I'm a, I was born in 85. So like for me, I would always just try to figure out, um, I'd have to go back and watch certain moments. And that was one of those moments that I remember watching and everybody was talking about like how impressive Andre the Giant was and that like no one could pick this man up. And then here's this dude in all yellow tights, like right? yellow, yellow shorts doing it. And I was like, wow. And then awesome. like, like me being a wrestling history buff, then I go back and I realize that not only had Andre been slammed lots of times before that, but that wasn't even the first time Hogan slammed him. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it just happened so, to be on a massive stage. <laughs> yeah, it just happened to be. They treated it like the first time. And unless you saw those previous Hogan-Andre matches, you didn't yeah. know any better. Yeah, res- wrestling is just like such a cool thing, and it's so cool. It's larger than life. So who are some of your favorites? Uh, So hands down, he's still my favorite now. And I don't even care what everybody tells me, but Rey Mysterio will always be my favorite person. Uh, Rey Mysterio. My favorite wrestler great. of all time. Yeah. yeah. So when people talk about the GOATs, like, uh, yeah, Rey Mysterio to me is one of the greatest of all times, if not the greatest of all time. And I know a lot of people will be like, what about Sean? What about AJ Styles? What about uh, The Undertaker? What There's about? There's always a what about, like, right? Like, yeah. Like, no, I'm telling <laughs> you that Rey's my guy. I'm not saying yeah, those aren't my guys, too. I'm telling you who my guy is. Yeah. My guy, my guy once came out in the Phantom, uh, outfit and had one of the greatest DDTs ever done, uh, to another dude who would also be my favorite, which is Eddie Guerrero. Um, and then from there, like, you know, uh, I'm a huge, I'm a massive fan of like Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. Uh, John Cena is one of those guys too, cause there's no way that you can't live through the era and not say that you weren't a fan of his. I'm a huge Undertaker fan. I think, Great character work for him, for someone who's been able to be in a business for almost 30 plus years and to be able to evolve and change the way his character came out, like all inspiring. Oh, for and, sure. uh, you, know, you know, and then from there, it's just a slew of guys. Sean is also one of my favorites. I just like the way, uh, when Sean came back from his back injury, like I just thought he was on a different level and then it just keeps, it keeps changing. I keep adding more people to the group and <laughs> just enjoying, enjoying wrestling what I'm getting out. Go back and watch Chris Jericho's matches from like, you know, WCW in like 94, 95. And I just remember like as a kid watching that and just being so much in awe and then being in the business myself, like now just understanding like what what it looks like from the outside or from the inside. It's even better. When did you realize this was something that I could do? Yeah. So (laughs) four years ago. (laughs) Actually, this month, four years ago, was uh, I was like, you know, I uh, I had done like 11 months into dark arts is what I like to refer to them as. Most people will call it backyard. Um, and uh, I was like, yo, I think I was like, I had a friend who told me he's like, hey, if this is something you're seriously wanting to pursue, 
and go do it. Otherwise, you know, you're really just kind of like sitting in the back. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And so I reached out to my, who would end up being my trainer and we just, we hit it off and I just started training with him in Maryland. And that's kind of led one thing to another. It's been, and it's been a wild trip ever since, but, uh, after I graduated college and after I got out of the military and graduated college, I was like, yeah, let me, let me figure something out. Let me just see what I need to do. And, you know, I started to look at professional wrestling and everywhere I've turned, like it's always been there. So I was like, maybe this is a sign that I need to do this. And yeah, I just shot my shot. That's the best way to do it too, is to just go for it. I think that's always been yeah. like the best advice I can give. Cause now I, I feel like the crotchety old veteran, because I realized that, this is going to be my 19th year in the business and I'm, and I just, I feel very old <laughs> and people are like, well, you're, you're in, a, you're in a good position to give advice now. And then I always get somebody who's like, you're just parroting back stuff that other people said to you. I'm like, well, where do you think it came from? I didn't make this stuff up. I hear wise stuff and I repeat it because I think it's wise, but that was one of the wisest things I had ever heard about just getting involved was, you have to find a school, find a school that's going to be reputable. It's not just going to take your money and run you off and go for it. And it's it's a disciplined thing, too. And we'll we'll talk about the military stuff in part two. But I'm sure that that kind of helped get you a little trained for what you were going to go through, especially mentally, not just the physical yeah. aspect. Yeah, I think what it is is like. It wasn't necessarily just like mil the the military, like that's like helped help like sharpen up a bunch of the tools that I already had. But it was like getting into the in, getting into the business, obviously learning like how to network and like getting getting yourself ready for like the long drives or just like me me personally, like I've the the military has always been around. Which uh, since you know the day I was born, my dad was he was in the army, and then I traveled around with him, and we went from place to place to place. And so I learned how to network really well, really quick uh, with just different groups of friends in different areas. And that's why I think I kind of, I don't know, I kind of bring like a, a different mindset to everything because I think a lot of people get into it and they're like, all right, I'm a pro wrestler. People will come find me. And they're like, no, that's not necessarily how it works, man. Like you got to get to know people. And then I always, I always joke about this. It's something I got from CM Punk. Um, even though I know like he's not a real big, name that people want to talk about right now but uh, he said something uh i forget where he was i think he was on a podcast or something he he told people that i was going to be a white belt for life and there's so much power to just saying that right it's like yeah you understand that you can always do the grunt work and i think people forget that you can always learn something but you need to put in the work to to get to where you want to get to and it, that's important it's important if you're not going to work for it then what are you doing you know absolutely so tell us a little bit about what your training was like, because even though a lot of pro wrestlers go through similar training, every school's different. Everyone's experience is different. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, I was trained under uh, Sickened. He is in a tag team called Wright City. He runs uh, what we now refer to as the Wright City Compound. Uh, his trainer was actually Ruckus. Anybody knows who that is? Indy yes. Hall of Famer. Yep. So, I know who Ruckus who is. Great individual. Uh, but yeah, so we, so pretty much it was like you, you would do simple things, right? You get in, you stretch out, you start rolling. And then from there, it's like, hey, we're going to have the move of the day, take some bumps, and then we're going to uh, talk about a spot. 
that you could do or work on character work. And then go from there, you're going to have some practice matches and stuff like that. Uh, after you've been there for a little while, it's not like you can just get fed into the system. But yeah, this is, um, it's just kind of like a rough outline of what it looks like. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. So what is your gimmick name? So fun fact, my gimmick name is Red Dog, R-E-D-D-A-W-G. And the reason why was because my first name is Clifford. <laughs> Clifford the Big Red Dog. <laughs> How long does it take people to make that connection? You know, it's funny because it doesn't get old, but every time someone makes that connection, the awe face that they make, we're like, <laughs> The oh. aha moment, right? Where they're just like, oh, oh. there you go. <laughs> yep. Uh, one of my friends, uh, Andino, who actually lives in Maryland, he always talks about that moment. And if you go on his Twitter page, you can find it. But he says the moment that he see, because he's seen this happen now, probably, so we will probably almost every show that we've been together, probably like nine or 10 different promoters will put that together. And the aha moment of like, Oh, that makes sense. is hilarious. It doesn't get old. It happens every single time, whether I'm doing my uh, shoot job or I'm just working or I'm just meeting a promoter for the first time every single time. It's funny, but yeah, that's it. The moment that you see that the, the light bulb goes off it's it's great. <laughs> So for all of you listeners out there, let us know when you had your aha moment when he was telling the story. Did you pick it up before he said it? Because I'd love to know if some of you did. Um, <laughs> how would you describe your gimmick? Uh, so Red Dog is a mercenary. He's a mercenary who believes that, uh, you know, there's been some wrongs done in his life and he wants to correct those wrongs. Uh, and he likes taking out big targets. But the, the, the funny thing about him is that he comes from like, and I, this is funny. It sounds weird. It's dark humor. But the funny thing about him is that he understands that, uh, he's got to laugh through everything. So he makes jokes probably at the most inappropriate moments. So he's Deadpool. And, uh, he's, yeah, essentially he's Deadpool. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're, <laughs> you're a wrestling version of Deadpool. That's pretty cool. Yep. And so Red Dog also understands like the, the wrestling world is essentially. Like, you know, we we know everything that's going on with the wrestling world, but he also doesn't want to break those rules, just like the real Deadpool. And a lot of people don't realize that Deadpool is one of those characters that he knows that he's being written. He knows that he's being drawn, but he never tells characters that he's being drawn. Right. So whenever he's referring to the fourth wall, people will ask who he's talking to. He's like, oh, I'm just talking to I'm talking to them. And he never refers to who's them. And he never tells the he never tells other characters like, oh, yeah, we're, we're make believe. So he understands the world, but he just doesn't want right. like to ruin it for everybody else. Kayfabe, brother. Yep. Got to keep it alive. That's right. Deadpool's <laughs> just kayfabe him. That's all he's doing. Yeah, it's all he's doing. <laughs> and that's why I love uh, love Deadpool. So, yeah, it's kind of a mix between like Deadpool, uh, Octane from Apex, which is another like trash talking character. I love to say that I pull a lot of stuff from Doc Holliday from Tombstone. So for those nice. who don't know. Is the the greatest Western movie ever made? I don't care what anybody got to say. Ooh, uh, is that a hot yeah, take? I'm it. not sure. <laughs> I said, I said it. Uh, and then uh, you know he he's cool, he's calm, he's collected, but he also makes like inappropriate jokes. And then sometimes, uh, you know, he puts out his uh, random thought of the day, and people can either like it or not like it. So it just kind of depends. There you go. Do you remember your first match? Yes. Uh, my first match was actually, uh, for a company called C3W 
uh, out of DC, and uh, it was with Big Trouble Ben Bishop. Ah, oh, I've worked with Ben Bishop before. Okay. Yeah, so Ben Bishop and I actually uh, trained together before we actually got to be in a ring together. So it was kind of cool to be able to work with someone that I was just very familiar with, and it was a lot of fun. I think that's important, too, for your first match to go up against somebody who you're already kind of comfortable with because now you have to take all those skills and training and transfer them out to a live show in front of real people who have no idea who you are because it's your first match. Yeah, so actually it's funny because my first match was actually a taped match. So I got started in January of 2020, and in March of 2020, we had the giant COVID, right? Mm -hmm. We had the national shutdown, and then from there – we went. Uh, we did a, a, a taping at the compound, and uh, yeah, so that's what I ended up doing. And so that's where my first match was. But my first match in front of a live crowd was actually in this place in West Virginia called SCWA, and I got to work. Uh, Ron Holiday was my first my first live match. Okay, that's another good opponent too. You got some good yeah, quality I- opponents right off the gate. That's pretty good. Yeah, so that was it was crazy because I wrestled that day in SCWA, and then the next day I was in DC wrestling at another show, and again my second live match was against uh, Ron Holiday and Darius Carter. (laughs) Nice in a triple threat. I tell people all the time though, I was like, if you've ever met Ron Holiday, you instantly have a Ron Holiday impression. I love Ron. He's one of my he's one of my favorite people. I tell it to his face. I'm like, yo, Ron, I love you, but I just let you know, anybody who's ever met you has got an impression of you. And he's like, I know, buddy. I know. <laughs> I was about to say, bust it out. There you go. <laughs> I, uh, love, I love it. I love him. He's so funny. He knows it, too. He knows I'm always, like, talking about him. I think we've all worked with somebody who we've ended up impersonating. Sweet Bobby G, I love you, but don't ever tell me that oh, your voice don't sound nothing like me because we all sound like you. We all have that impression going. Uh, I was going to say, I did it on TikTok one day where we did the, the Ron Holiday impression. Uh, I did a part one and part two, and I had him say certain things, and I had everybody in our uh, – at the in the vicinity also say those things that he normally says. It was It was really good. It was really funny. And unfortunately, like, I doubt a lot of people have seen it, but if you ever get through my TikTok, yeah, you'll, you'll see. It's hilarious because we even got um, my daughter at the time to do it. We got a couple of the other wrestlers to do it. We've got uh, my trainer to do it. It was it was hilarious. Well, you're going to have to stay tuned to the end of the show, folks, to hear Clifford plug his social medias. Go check <laughs> out those TikToks. Do you have a favorite match in your career so far? Um, damn, that's crazy. I have a few of them because all for different reasons too. So, uh, I'll just fire off the first one that comes to my mind, right? Uh, it was myself and, uh, the Red Prince himself, TJ Sykes, and, uh, this place called HWF in Lewistown, Pennsylvania. And the reason why it was one of my favorite matches was it was the first wrestling match that my dad got to be a part of. So he got to watch me actually do this crazy thing called wrestling. And uh, he just he knew like the moment that I came out from the current, he was like, yeah, Cliff, Cliff found his world. Like, this is where he wants to be. I think another match that I would uh, throw out to is uh, at C3W. I ended up working 
uh, a friend of mine, uh, my best friend, I should uh, just, everybody knows this. Uh, his name is Chaz Evans. Uh, he runs with this group called Pure Ignorance. But we worked at this place called uh, AFRAM, uh, the African-American Arts and Music Festival out in Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, it was so much fun because I got to put, one, I got to put Chaz over at the event, but I got to wrestle my best friend. And, you know, we just, we had no heel face dynamic. It was just two guys just going out there trying to put on a fun match. And that's what we did. And I think that it was, it was an amazing time. And then just from there, it's just been like a slew of other people that I've got to work that I've had so much fun with from, uh, Cade Lothbrock to Andino Sicken. Uh, yeah, I was just keep like thinking more and more people, but yeah, it's, it's been ridiculous for me. <laughs> it's all right if you forget a couple people. I mean, I've, I've worked in for entire promotions that I don't remember ever working for at this stage. So it's going to happen. <laughs> well, it's funny because like I actually write down every single person that I've ever worked. So I can, I have a, I have a whole entire book where I can legit go back and see every single match that I've ever, I've That's ever good. worked. You're one of the smart ones. Uh, not too many people do that anymore. I, I had a list going for a while. But somewhere around somewhere around year three or four, it, I kind of just got lazy. And <laughs> I, I do regret that now because, like I said, there's entire promotions, not just like people, entire companies that I plain don't have memory working. I remember one of my friends was telling me a story about a show that I did ring announcer work for in Jersey. And I literally have no memory of it whatsoever. <laughs> but But he's got photo evidence that I was there, so... You know, maybe I got abducted by aliens afterwards. I'm not sure. That's crazy. <laughs> no, but I understand that because, I mean, like, especially, you know, almost 20 years, like, yeah, you're going to forget some things. And yeah, it's, yeah. And it's I mean, I've fine. Got, I got gaps in there anyway, you know, from living in Florida. I didn't really do a lot of work when I was down there, but. Right. Yeah, that, that's that's getting older there, kids. Just get ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> Us, uh, us 1980s, us 1980s babies, we're all, uh, we're trying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're trying. <laughs> it's crazy to think that, like, you know, whenever you talk about, like, 20 years ago, like, for, for, like, probably, like, you and me, and when we talk about 20 years ago, it would seem like, like, this, like, 60s and 70s, or even, like, if you were, like, a mid-80s, like, kid like me, and I grew up in the 90s, it's, it's probably, like, the early 80s, but no, 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 20 years ago was 2000. <laughs> yeah, like that's just not okay at this point. <laughs> I graduated high school in 03. <laughs> yeah, me too. So I get it. Right there with you. Hey. <laughs> what is Red Dog's finisher? Uh, so he's got two of them, actually. So he's got uh, the punchline, which essentially is anybody who watches WWE, everybody knows the big ending. Uh, I love hitting that move. So I just call it the punchline now. And then uh, another one that he likes to hit, I hit a spine buster, which I call the comedy yeha. Uh, and the reason why I call it the comedy yeha actually came from a friend in high school. Um, he used to say in football practice before he'd go make a big tackle. So <laughs> I just took it from him, and he started laughing when I started uh, utilizing it. So yeah, those are my two the two big ones I use. Has he seen any of your matches? Uh, you know, I sent him a video of me literally just saying comedy yeha as I'm slamming people into the mat, and he just finds it hilarious. That's awesome. You gotta, he's gotta see where the inspiration led to, right? 
Yep. And he even says it too. He's like, I don't even remember where I got that from. <laughs> All right. So as I said, we're recording this in January of 2024, literally the last day of January. But right now where we're sitting, what's the future look like in professional wrestling? What are your, what are your big goals and aspirations? You know, it's, it's, it's funny because like, I got asked this question, um, like two years ago, right? Uh, by my mentor. And, uh, I told him the same thing. And that was this, I, I'm just happy that I'm hanging and banging in this, in this crazy industry. Uh, and then he was like, well, good. I need you to dream bigger. And I was like, that's crazy. I don't know what that looks like. Um, I think now it's just, I think for me, what it is, is I just want someone to trust me to be the face of their company. Okay. I think that's where it really comes down to. Um, so be the champion. That's all. It could be the champion or it could be like, I could be your top baby face. Or if you want me to, I could be your top heel. It doesn't really change who I am. It just, just turns up like how much of a a-hole I get to be to people. Uh, but I think, I think that's what it is. I think it just like, like, like to hold some kind of championships, a couple championships here or there. Um, and then just continue to show people that like Red Dog is, he's a, he's a guy that you want to plug into your system and into your, into your place because I'm not just, I had, I lived a whole life before I got into wrestling, you know, and I think that's important. I think it's important to be able to share experiences with people on a different level, not necessarily just like in a wrestling world, but you can also include outside experiences such as mine, uh, to help like better your locker room. If you, if you, you know, to help mentor people and to help keep this business uh, as honest as we can. Yeah. And that's to honestly, to me, that's the right mindset. And it's, I like that you're only in it for four years and you've already kind of figured that out. Some guys have been in it longer than me and they haven't figured it out yet, but <laughs> you know, we're all, it's exact. We're all in this together. We, we all have the same, the same goals. We all love professional wrestling. That's why we do it. Um, some people are doing it because they want to become famous and that's great. Some people, you know, I work with a guy I've known him, as long as I've been involved, uh, Matt Turner, his goal is to work in Japan. He doesn't care about going to WWE. He doesn't care about going to AEW. He wants to go to Japan. That's his goal. And there's nothing wrong with that. If, you know, we're the weekend warriors, right? Like, that's what independent wrestling is. So if, if, if your goal is to just be a part of the business and have fun and give back and help others reach their goals, then you're doing something right in my eyes. Yeah, because I, I realized that, like, Oh, no, I want to say obviously because that's never the case, especially in this business when you say never, say never. But like I, I realize like I'm closer to 40 and you know, a lot of people aren't going to take that, that chance on me, that opportunity on me to, to go represent like at WWE and, and, uh, you know, with the headline WrestleMania brother or even to go, you know, show up at a, at, at a revolution for AEW. I don't know that that might not be the things that's in my cards or even hell, even just show up and have a match at Slammiversary for impact or TNA. But it's, it's, if I can help someone on their journey to getting to that next level, Hey, cool. I'm glad that I could be a part of that person's life for, you know, a flash in a pin or a long time memory, whatever the case might come out to be. And that's another thing. A lot of young wrestlers remember the people that help them, and they always do. And I, I still remember to this day, like I said, I've got a lot of gaps in my head, but I remember all the people who really helped me and believed in me. 
And I always do everything I can to put them over because, well, why wouldn't I? I, I wouldn't have this position if it wasn't for them. So I very much appreciate that. Uh, the wacky yeah. world of professional wrestling. We're going to take a quick break here, folks. When we come back, we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to talk a little more wrestling as Clifford discusses his podcast. And we're going to dive into what it's like to be in the military, what it's like to be a father. So all you uh, hopeful dads out there, you might learn a little fatherly advice. Don't go anywhere, guys. We will be right back. Do you feel like your voice doesn't matter? Does it feel like our leaders aren't listening? Participating in politics shouldn't be this difficult. Future is Now Coalition is here to fundamentally change politics and restore democracy, making it more transparent, accessible, and inclusive. To learn more about our mission and get involved with the movement, find us at futureisorg on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and X, or visit our website, futureis.org. That's futureis.org. Hey, what's going on? This is Anthony from the ABJ Podcast. I'm a weekly podcast that airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. exclusively on YouTube. Or you can find me on all major podcast platforms from Spotify to Apple Music to Google to, you know, pretty much everywhere. But I talk to anyone with a story. You're chasing a dream? You have a story to tell? I mean, I want to hear it. I've talked to anyone from the, from the art of professional wrestling to film to acting, to content creating, music, and much more. If you have a passion and you have a dream, I want people to hear about your story. So come on and join the ABJ podcast. Send me a message and we'll, we'll get an episode started right away. And I hope to see you in our chat over there on the YouTube side. Make sure you hit like and subscribe. We are back on the Not So Humble broadcast, chatting with my friend Clifford Miller kind of talked a little bit about the wacky world of professional wrestling, but it extends a little bit further than just what's happening inside the squared circle on any given show. Wrestling has kind of taken on a life of its own in the podcasting world, which that's how you guys are listening to this right now, right? But Clifford here is the host of his own podcast. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So actually I'm the you know, co-founder of the three count podcast that you guys can find pretty much everywhere if you guys are looking for it. But we have, uh, we have two shows, right? So we have our weekly debate show, which is called Chaz and Friends. That's actually one of my, it's the show that we literally have debates over wrestling topics of the week on that show. So we'll talk about our match of the week. We do what's called temp check where we talk about which wrestlers that we feel are getting hot, which wrestlers we feel are cold. And then we'll have like whatever debate topic goes on for that week and we'll talk about, we'll, we'll argue points. Sometimes I just do it to see how far I can push Chaz's buttons, which is even better because <laughs> I have literally got him to walk off the set just because I wanted to see it happen. Uh, and then outside of that, we have another show, which is called Now Entering the Ring. That's our interview show. Uh, and we bring on wrestlers. The, the thing about it is the reason why Now Entering the Ring even exists is because um, there's, okay, so it goes back to our, our first segment that we were talking about, but in wrestling, you're going to be doing a lot of studying outside of the business, not just in the business. And because I know that I am not going to have that big of a window in this business, as far as an active worker, I want to get on as many people as I can to learn from them and learn, learn from their experiences. Cause I think there's, there's this, there's a thing that was told to me when I was a kid. And it was that foolish men learn from their mistakes while wise men learn from the mistakes of others. And I think that the the beauty in that is just telling you that 
yeah, you can you can learn from your mistakes or you can watch someone else do it and then you can learn from their mistakes. Like back in the day, I'm sure a lot of you probably heard this, but you know, mom tells you don't touch the stove because the stove is hot. And then you watch your little sibling go and touch the stove and then they get smacked. Why? Because they touch the stove. And what does that tell you? I don't have to touch the stove because that, that's hot. So it's it's one of those things where it's like, hey, you know, you're you're grabbing all these other wrestlers and you're bringing them on the show and you're talking to them about their experiences and we're having like these fun conversations. I tell a lot of people that the show is essentially the Joe Rogan experience or even Chris Van Vliet's insight, but it's a wrestler having a conversation with another wrestler. And and then, you know, we get to have we get to have connections. It helps network, which is a major thing in this business. And yeah, so it's it's just a lot of fun to be able to do all that stuff. And I just I think it's it's uh, it's helped me with my career and it's helped me uh, make some cool acquaintances. So, yeah, there's just a, there's a lot to it. And I, I, I love the, the show. Of course, that's what's fun about these podcasts is just like what we're doing right here, just sitting down and chatting. I think what also goes to is that, like, if you're interested in something, somebody out there is probably interested in the same thing that you are. They just don't know how to get to it. So it, it's kind of cool to be like what I like to call the the uh the one oh one course of like getting into like we'll call it wrestling college. <laughs> yes. Ma- imagine if there actually was like a wrestling class you could take in college. Like just learn about the be, history of pro wrestling. That would be so much fun. I would I would love that class and I would love to just see how many people I could make mad in that <laughs> class. Like they would be like, oh the biggest heel in this class is stupid red dog like he's always saying things just to push my buttons and then he leaves and it acts like nothing's wrong I'm like yeah duh <laughs> <laughs> that's podcasting host life baby that's what, that's <laughs> yep. what we do who's been uh some of your favorite guests that you've had on uh geez man so chris van Fleet actually has been on our show uh so that's why i, I kind of name drop him every once in a while when i talk to people uh, outside of that, we've brought on, uh, Flip Gordon, which was amazing. Shane Taylor was one of my favorite people to talk to. He just so much wisdom to hand out, uh, to people. And if you get a chance to listen to the episode, it was great. Uh, Shaw Guerrero came on the podcast, Eddie's daughter. So it was so amazing to be able to have a great conversation with her. Uh, let's see. Who else could I think of to the top of my head? Oh, let's see. We recently just had Dustin Waller from Miracle Generations, the IWT, had one half of the IWTV uh, Tag Team Champions. Uh, uh, O'Shea Edwards has been on the podcast. I brought on Khan, who's now part of the Mogul Embassy. Uh, I have to keep blanking out on all these names. Vanity, who's actually one of my favorite people. Uh, yeah, so I mean, if if they've been in the the, the New England or in the Mid Atlantic area, or they've probably been on the podcast, and uh, it's very fun to be able to like reference another person that they might know, and uh, like, yeah, they've been on the show, and we've actually had a fun conversation with them, and then they want to come on and have a great conversation with us too. So I I've been like drawing blanks. We had TJP. I don't know how I'm forgetting that one. He was our number. He was our fiftieth guest. Yeah, TJ Perkins. Yeah, DJ Perkins came on the show. Uh, I'm trying to think of another another one that a lot of people get thrown off about because, like I said, we just keep adding people to it. World Famous Cheeseburger has been on. He was our 350th guest that we've had on the show. So it's, yeah, the the list of names. 
Uh, if you're looking for that, looking for if you think it's just male individuals minus Shaw Girl, obviously I just said her name, but uh, we've had the international pop star herself, uh, Becca, come on the podcast. We've had uh, we're I'll drop it here for you guys. You guys can see this uh, coming in the future. You guys will see uh, MLD, MLW's uh, second featherweight champion, Delmi XO, will also be uh, on the podcast. We've had her. We've had her on the show. It's there's so many names of people that uh, you can find and just listen to. So if there's if there's something you also think you're looking for, which I they, and this is like the most important part about this is that this podcast was actually also designed to be a networking opportunity for other people. Uh, if you're looking for a person who makes music, right, one of my mentors uh, in this wrestling business, uh, Blizz, he also shoots photography. He's a guy that you can you can go talk to him about, you know, getting a, a custom track made for you. If you're looking for gear makers, I brought on uh, Break Night. I've also brought on uh, Ty Reno and TJ Reno had been on the podcast. Uh, if you're looking for a person who, you know, does graphic designs, like I've brought all sorts of individuals on here just for opportunities of like showing people, hey, just reach out and talk to these people. They're going to be great individuals. We brought on whole promotions and talked to them. So that's that was really kind of the exploration for this was like, hey, I know that this wrestling business is hard. Here's how I did it. And here's some people that you can reach out to and talk to. That's really cool too, especially getting the, uh, the unsung heroes of the wrestling business on there, music makers and gear makers, because people are always looking for those services and they may not know where to get them from. Yeah. I, and it was, a, it's a struggle for me, but that's why I was like, yo, I think if I talk to XYZ, they're going to lead me to this person and that person will talk and I can get that person on the show. I just thought it was so cool that like so many people were willing to like come and come on the show. Obviously everybody wants to talk about themselves. Right. But, you know, you're like, hey, like you're I brought you on because, you know, one, you're a worker. But then also, too, you had this other skill. How did you develop that skill? And, you know, how did you market that? That was another I, I brought on people who do marketing. Right. I brought on uh, Mike, Mike Dulcie, the gimmick doctor himself. So if you're looking to get uh, you're looking to get a trademark on your name, your wrestling name, he's been on a podcast like I this it, I put in a lot of work so I could help other wrestlers yeah, find that path. That's a good one, too, because there are a lot of people who probably would want to trademark their name, really right. and get those marketing skills out there. And the gimmick doctor is out there. He's always looking <laughs> to help people, help wrestlers get their names trademarked. For sure. We'll have to, we'll have to chat because soon down the line, I'm, uh, I'm relaunching a blog. I haven't had one in a while. I used to write pretty frequently. It kind of fell by the wayside when I got into podcasting. But one of the things I'm going to put out there is going to pretty much be – just one giant page of worker contacts so people can network right through me and look, we can get them some bookings and people can come to my page and see all these people I'm vouching for. So any workers out there, let's get in touch. Let's chat because I want to, you know, I, I love helping people get booked wherever I can. Other than a like couple of one-on-one -on -one conversations online, you and I have never really chatted before until we sat down and did this. Right. And that's like, that's the, that's, that's the funniest part, right? Is that like, you never know. You're always, I always say this, that you're in the wrestling business. You're always one link away from knowing somebody who is that next dude, right? So like for, I can, I can talk about where like, I know Phil Stamper, right? The president of wrestling. President himself. of pro wrestling. 
<laughs> and because I know Phil, I feel like I know like so many other people in this crazy business. And he's networked and worked with his way around oh, everywhere, yeah. right? Stamper is everybody. On... Stamper's been everywhere. Yeah. And he's like right now you catch him on uh the wrestling revolver, right? And he's like always out with like massive people. And then like I know like I can know you know, I know I've been to places where I sat down and talked with uh, my trainer, who's actually friends with Rich Swan. So it's like, oh, cool. So, like, I now have this connection to that guy. And I just keep growing my network around with people. And, you know, you never know where it's going to land you. You just yeah. be, be you, be genuine. And I promise you the networking opportunities would just get massive out of nowhere. We should make, like, a six degrees of Kevin Bacon out of the wrestling business and see, like, how far we can connect each other to people who've worked with other people. Like, <laughs> I would love to do that. <laughs> like, 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 see how how many connections can you go before you get to Vince, or you get to Tony Khan, or you get to you get to Onita. <laughs> like, let's throw some let's throw some old Japanese guys out there too. Like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea for I a can, game. Let's start playing that, people. I was like, for me to Vince it could be one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, yeah uh, I, I guess that's true for me too because Ricardo Rodriguez <laughs> runs 3LW. Yeah. I'm, I'm the main announcer on the show, play-by-play guy, <laughs> and he worked with Vince. So there you go. You're you're already there. Right. I uh, I worked with. Uh, so I was trained. I was trained by Sicken, right? But I've also been trained by Ruckus, and Ruckus and Vince also had had some interactions before. So well, we might have to, to tighten to the rules. That. It might have to be had a match with. We might have to tighten mm. the rules a little bit because. Mm. Mm. Well, then in that case, uh, I would tell people, yeah, I've worked with Brian Malonis, who had a thing with uh, John Cena and Vince McMahon at Chaotic Wrestling. There you go. <laughs> and you're already there. <laughs> Yeah. So you're four degrees away from Vince McMahon. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to figure mine out. I got to see who who Ricardo's actually worked in WWE. I mean, I've worked with a bunch of former WWE guys too, but I'm trying to think yeah. if I've worked with anybody who's had a direct match with Vince, and I'm sure I have at some point. I was like, well, Ricardo has been in the ring numerous times with John Cena, and John yes. Cena has and he's worked has with had... John Cena. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, then and, there it know. goes. There you go. There's the connection. <laughs> yeah, podcasting's a ton of fun. I I love it. Um, let's turn the clock back a little bit though, because wrestling's just a part of your life. You actually, you actually grew up not in the Northeast, and you spent some time in the military, which is always fascinating to talk about. When did you decide that military life was going to be for you, and which branch did you join? So actually, the funny thing is the military has always been around me. Uh, when I was born in Colorado Springs, Colorado, right right after this place called Fort Carson, uh, uh, that's that's where my dad was served. My dad was Army. And then I kind of moved around. Uh, I moved around. In fact, I tell people all the time, I don't know why people still have trouble like believing me, but in the first six years of me going to school, I went to six different schools. Not necessarily because – like I was a bad kid. That's not what happened. But I legit went from Colorado oh, Springs yeah. to to Fort Ord, uh, Fort Ord uh, California, to Panama City, Panama. I was there for. I was in two different schools at that place. I moved up to like uh, this place called Shallowwater, Texas. Then I moved over to another place called Reese Air Force Base, which is no longer around. And then I moved to Mitchell, Nebraska. And so like I have just like traveled like all around like the 
the country just going left, right, and center. I decided, um, actually, it was a funny thing because, like, I was in school, like, I was in college, and I was actually, my, the first college I went to, like, I, I failed out of. I tell people this because it was part of my journey. Um, but then, like, when I went to my second school, I actually started doing really well in school. I actually was on a dean's list. I was very excited because I didn't know that I had that ability to do that. Um, but then it was crazy. Um, long story short, I got jumped by a bunch of people in a parking lot, and my dad made the suggestion that I should join the, mili- join the military. Um, I tried to join the Army, and my dad grabbed me by my shirt and told me, hey, no, you're too smart for this branch. We're going to put you in the Air Force. Uh, he goes, and, you know, Air Force guys, they don't deploy, so you don't have to worry about going overseas because obviously, you know, when I joined, it was 2006. We were still at the height of the Iraq and Afghanistan war. Um, so, yeah, I ended up joining the Air Force and went from Denver, Colorado to San Antonio, Texas, to this place called San Angelo, and then I went to Honolulu, Hawaii, and that's where I spent the majority of my Air Force career. Wow. I think you you hit on a good point, too. Unless you know somebody in the military or grew up in a military family, people don't realize how often you have to relocate. Yes. And that does blow a lot of people's minds, especially when you talk to someone. My uh, my podcasting partner, Dan Peck, he grew up in a military family, and he was he was in all kinds of different places before he finally settled. I think he, was, yeah. I think he said he was born in Chicago. He spent a lot of time in New York. He was all over the place, too. And then he went to college in Canada, which is awesome. So, <laughs> that is awesome. But yeah, like I, I have tons of friends in the military, and it's always the same story. They're, they've been, they've been in Nevada, they've been in New Mexico, they've been in Texas, they've been in California, they've been everywhere. And then, I'm like, where'd you settle down? And my one friend, I'll give a shout out to her because she ended up in Cameron, North Carolina, home of the Hardy Boys. Nice. And she tried explaining that to me, too. She goes, this is a little town called Cameron. You've never heard of it. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm a wrestling fan. I've heard of it. I said, I, <laughs> they are local celebrities there, because I think the census is, was only like 400 when they were living there. It's, it's funny, though, because like for me, uh, I settled in a place called Baird, Nebraska, right? So people would tend to ask me, like, where are you from? And it's you can't find my town on a map if you wanted to. But uh, the place I grew up in, I had 1,900 people in it. And my school actually had 300 people in it, including the, the faculty. And I graduated with a class of 39 kids. <laughs> Sheesh. My graduating class was larger than the entire population <laughs> of your it school. Yeah. yeah, it tends to be that way. And people get thrown off. So, like, somebody will be like, uh, I had someone actually recently make this joke to like, how many kids graduated in your class? Like eight. I was like, no, that was the town next to me. Which yeah. coincidentally, that was how many kids graduated in the town next to me. Eight. They took out a full page article in our local newspaper and all the kids fit on that. Like full blown, like not even like shrunk down, like senior photos, like their full senior photos were on there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was definitely hyped for those guys. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I grew up in, in, a, in a small town, and then I uh, I actually had a full wrestling – I had, a, I had a, a partial wrestling scholarship to a school that I had been, like, I had my eye on for a while. So I went, and then I ended up, you know, not doing so good. I just wasn't mature enough for, for college. 
Um, yeah. and so when I got out, I went to uh, community college, which coincidentally still holds uh, one of the top ranking basketball schools uh, in the nation when it comes to junior uh, junior college. So it was very cool to keep watching those guys do their things. So big shout outs to Western Nebraska Community College. And then from there, I joined the military. And then, uh, yeah, even from the military, like I got out and when I was living in Hawaii, I got out and I moved like all over. I went from Massachusetts to Georgia to Maryland and back to Massachusetts. <laughs> like, so I've been like all across like the United States up it's and like, down. It's like you've done the <laughs> wrestling circuit without actually being a wrestler. Right. So it's like, it's weirdly enough, like I was like prepped for all this stuff and like not even knowing that I was prepped for it. <laughs> so how was uh, basic training in the Air Force? Is it similar to the other branches of the military? You know, it's funny because like, I went through this transition period where because the Air Force at one time, uh, our basic used to be six and a half weeks long. Uh, but when I got in, they were in this transition period between the six and a half to eight and a half weeks to what it is now. Because uh, they wanted to kind of match up with both what the Army and the Navy do. Um, and because like the Marines had the longest uh, basic training of all four branches. Um, well, five, we'll say five or six, depending if you want to include a Space Force. Uh, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but so uh, between all those branches – um, yeah, so it, we wanted to kind of match up. And so I was in this weird transition period where they were like, some of the kids were there for like eight and a half weeks and some of the kids were there for six and a half weeks. I just so happened to be one of those kids that was there for six and a half weeks. And, you know, it's, it's pretty much like you, it's not as bad. Sorry. It's not as bad as what like the movies would make it seem, right? It's not like people are getting punched in the face, right? Cause they're in this transition period of like, Hey, like we're not trying to assault these kids. We're trying to like, train young men and women to uh to uh represent what this country stands for and so you have to like break these kids down into the building blocks and then show off like you know what these young gentlemen and young women are going to be when they get out into the real military so it's it's crazy to think about uh getting in and getting out you know training sessions are obviously crazy you know i remember waking up at like 5 30 in the morning obviously making my bed and then like running downstairs and getting lined up and then going out to pt and then learning how to you know break down reassemble weapons so i mean everybody makes fun of the air force because they're like the air force is the easy branch you know it's the chair force like they're just they're not they probably get up at like nine o'clock and yeah. then like just you know get their coffee and their and their pancakes or whatever they're trying to have. Yeah, go and join they, the Air Force. Tell me how easy it is. <laughs> you know, they, uh, they just sit around in their chairs all day and play World of Warcraft. It was crazy. I, had, I remember like lots of people like telling me to my face that I was in the, the easiest branch. And I was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about because the Air Force at that time, we had just implemented this new PT session, uh, PT program, physical training for those who don't understand what PT is. But this new physical training program that was actually accelerating kids from – where they were to where they were finishing was uh, above what the regulations were for like the army and the, the Marines. So it's like the PT program they were doing was just accelerating these kids. And I was like in probably like the best shape as far as like cardio goes, being out of getting out of the out of basic training than at any point I was in my life. 
You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I bet those same kids probably would look at pro wrestling and think that that's going to be easy training because, oh, that's just cool stuff I can do on my trampoline. And then they're in for a very rude awakening. The first time you get slammed onto a mat and every <laughs> everybody knows training rings are harder than show rings. Everybody knows that. Yep. Like, like I remember having the wind knocked out of me the very first time I ever took a bump. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time that like, I think they said, I've read it before and I don't remember where I read it or even heard it, but it was like every time they hear it, you take a bump, it's equivalent to being like in a 30 mile an hour car crash. And like, I tell people, I was like, I remember the first bump that I took, like, I saw white and it was like, not that I saw white, like, I was, like, <laughs> was going to say, he's, I was like, man, that's it. He's <laughs> done already. First bump, he's yeah. out of here. <laughs> but it was like, I took a bump, I hit the mat, and I remember just like telling myself like, hey, you know what? Like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. This is exciting. And so I was like, yo, somebody hit me with something else. And so like one of my friends picked me up and hit me with a power, uh, a body slam. And I was like, oh, yeah, we got to keep doing this. <laughs> it, start, it starts to feel normal after a little bit. Like, I haven't taken a bump in a very long time because my back's all screwed up from a car accident I was in. But I, I have a feeling mm-hmm. if I took one now, I'd probably be dead. So I'm good. I'll still get physical if like if the show calls for it and they want me to get physical, if I can do a protected spot like I've taken, you know, knee breakers and stuff like people pick me up, busted me over their knee because you don't feel anything if they're doing it right. And I, I'll right. still I have no problem doing that because actually, in some cases, it would probably be better because if I try to take a bump now, it's going to look terrible. But if you just pick me up and slam me and not only will I not feel anything. But it'll look more devastating, and I can just lay there and be dead and sell for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so don't mind that at all. Uh, any fun stories yeah. coming out of the military? Oh man, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you my favorite one. I tell this story a lot, and a lot of people don't believe me. And by the way, in case you don't know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some insight on the the military world, like how people do like the wrestling world. So the military world, any good story starts with no shit. There I was. So, <laughs> sorry. sorry for those who just got mad. Like this is the first curse word I've dropped on here. We're an hour into the show. Yeah, you're uh, good. You're good. Keep going. <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, no shit. There I was, um, in my unit right in, uh, in Hawaii. And, uh, so I had this friend, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget. Uh, he asked me this question. He was like, hey, man, uh, mind you, it's like two o'clock in the morning. We're running these late missions. And he was like, hey, man, uh, do you know where and I'll, I'll use his name in this one. Uh, Sergeant Cruz is from. I was like, yeah, man, uh, his family's from Puerto Rico. He's like, oh, what? What language do they speak in Puerto Rico? I was like, yeah, they, they speak Spanish. Why are you saying it like that? He's like, I thought they speak Portuguese in Puerto Rico. I was like, no, my guy. I was like, in Portugal, they speak Portuguese. And he was like, oh, well, that must be like the only country that speaks Portuguese. I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) The largest country in South America speaks Portuguese (laughs) and he was like they do he's like I thought every country in South America speaks Spanish I was like I'm gonna have a stroke oh that's so (laughs) funny I was like this is how I'm going out 23 years old I'm just gonna die here because this guy literally does not know that you know 
he's uh he has no idea that Portuguese is spoken outside of Portugal. <laughs> like, and, uh, and I learned this working at Disney. Do not confuse Spanish and Portuguese. They do not get happy. I've seen people do that to their faces, and I've seen yeah. the reactions. Oh, that's too oh, yeah. funny. It's wild. There's oh, like to there's the that moment. <laughs> right. There was that moment. Uh and there's been other crazy moments. I remember when I was in um uh you know what? I'll tell you this story too. And I, I think I've told this story probably like one other time. So uh I was so no shit, there I was in Iraq. Um <laughs> You gotta start it the right way. <laughs> uh and so I'm in this place called Mortaritaville. If you don't know where that is, you can look it up yourself, you'll see, and you'll figure it out. Um, anyway, so this guy, uh, I'm not going to use his real name just for protective identities, but we'll call him Smith. So Sergeant Smith is in this truck, uh, we're in his vehicle and we're driving down this road and the alarms are going off, which anytime you get the alarms going off, there's usually incoming fire, right? Whether there's a mortar attack or rockets being shot into the base, whatever, right? So anyway, the the alarms are going off. And so that means you need to instantly pull over and, you know, get into a bunker, right? You gotta protect yourself. You don't wanna you don't wanna die. Well, this man then slams on the gas, right? And starts speeding faster. By the time that I realize what's going on, I have opened up the door and I jumped out. So he slams on the brakes and then we all run into this this hardened shelter. And I'll never forget uh, the guy who was in charge at the time, he goes, Sergeant Smith, what were you doing? What was your plan? And Sergeant Smith, without hesitation, Sergeant Smith was from uh, a southern state. I don't even want to tell what southern state it was from. Uh, and he was like, shoot, I was going to go park next to that, you know, that bunker right over down the road. And I remember just like saying, which bunker down the road? He's like, the one just down there off to the left. I was like, the one filled with jet fuel? You mean to tell me that we're being attacked right now and you want to take a truck and fill with gasoline and park it next to a place full with jet fuel? And he was like, well, I mean, it's protected. It's hard. And I was like, the truck's not. We're going to die. I was like, I'm not even going to die of combatant fire. I'm going to die of <laughs> of people's stupidity. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm out with it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, everybody I know who's been in the military always has great stories and you, everybody's got the favorite story and they've, I feel like they've all worked with a Smith. Like everybody's got a Smith that they tell a story about. Same thing with wrestling. Honestly, there's always a Smith in wrestling too. That you're like, Oh, remember that guy? And remember that gimmick? Yeah. And then, yeah, I remember that. so how's it like being a father? Oh man, it's it's the it's the greatest challenge and joy that I can have. Spoken ever like a true father, I love it. Yeah, it is. It's one of those things, man, where it's like you kind of like step into the world and like you realize that your your life changes and that like all the stuff that you didn't get to learn as a kid, you get to put that knowledge into somebody else and you get to help guide them in their journey through life. It's always a challenge to like try to like, cause you're always like, I just know you know this, but I just wish you would just take a second to breathe and <laughs> look at what's going on. It was funny cause like, I remember when, uh, so for those who don't, my daughter was born. Uh, when my daughter was born, 
I remember looking at my wife and <laughs> I'll never forget saying this to her and also her being upset with me. But I was like, man, I have one job. It's like, just keep her off the vertical poles. Not that there's a problem with it, right? Not that there's a problem with it. I just don't want my daughter to do that. <laughs> but I was like, I just got to keep her off the vertical poles. That's it. But then what you realize is that once they start like crawling, now you're on like 24-7 suicide watch. So you're like checking tables, make sure that the plugs are plugged in all the way, like the protective plugs. The little doors aren't opening. <laughs> you they can't you get realize into, like, very quickly how dangerous your house actually is. <laughs> little stuff you never thought about before. You're like, my house is a death sentence. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Like is is the blankets is there is there too many blankets in the in the bed? Is there not enough blankets in the bed? Like what happens if she gets yeah. too cold? What happens if she gets too warm? You know, uh this this uh like I need to get my I need to get a sander. I gotta file down this this corner here. <laughs> Everything's got a round edge now. <laughs> you got like the little brown bumpers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when you go bowling, you got the little bumpers up on everything or do you ever see the, yeah. the the people they do like the DIYs on TikTok? They take like pool noodles and they cut them up and they put those on everything. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of clever ways to get around it, but yes. I feel like I feel like when we were being raised, our parents just kind of let us hurt ourselves and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was like, yo, they just shot me somewhere and they're like, "All right, figure it out if you uh, you know, if you stick a fork in the electric socket, you're not going to be very happy but it is what it is like you're going to yeah. learn <laughs> don't touch the stove like you said earlier don't touch the stove don't touch the stove yeah don't touch the stove uh yeah no but it's been a it's been kind of like the the interesting journey especially it's so much like i know my parents my parents say it all the time right they always tell me they're like man like you grew up you're growing up with like one of the hardest generations like ever and i i look at my 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 daughter and i'm like bruh you are growing up in one of the hardest yeah. generations ever. It only gets and worse from here. Yeah, well, I mean, like, social media has changed the game so much. Like, we grew up in this era where we were, like, one of the last kids to, like, play in the streets until the lights came on to let us know that we got to go home. You know, we had appointment TV. It wasn't like we got Netflix at the time, right? Yeah. I mean, we had to go to a, a blockbuster to go rent a movie, and we had to wait for that movie to come out on VHS, not even DVD, Right. God, I miss and video so, stores. That was that was the <laughs> thing, man. Friday night at the video store. That was it. Yeah. What movie and what video game am I renting for the weekend? That was always the thing. Yep. And I and I I, I look here like at social media and it's like all the pressures that are being put on and all these kids are going through everything and they do it for the likes. And if you don't like this and you're not friends with this person and yeah, if yeah. you're not doing this, you're not doing that. Like it's been, it's so complicated. And then like you fall down the wrong algorithm, right? And God forbid that you fall down the wrong algorithm and that you get taken to something that's like, that takes you out of a complete element of what you're supposed to be like looking at. Right. And then you get right. depressed and depression ramps up so much more because kids yeah. aren't as social as they used to be. So social, like, social media does not dictate your social status and it never should. Right. Right. And so it's like, for me, like, it's always like, like I don't let my daughter have social media. In fact, the only thing that she's allowed to have is actually YouTube. She, she watched whatever videos cause she's, very big into the arts world, so she can watch whatever arts video that she wants to learn whatever lessons she wants. Nice. But yeah, as far as like, yeah, no Facebook, no Instagram, no no X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Honestly, right? she's probably uh, happier. 
she doesn't, like, she doesn't realize have, how much happier she actually is. I was like, you have Snapchat. That's it. There you, you can go, Snapchat. You have Snapchat just so you can. I know who you're talking to. I know who's on the other side of this. Uh, and I've met all the people that like she's able to like communicate with. So it's it's very tough. And it's it's very I I. I worry about some of the kids for this generation because it's like, and I sound kind of sound old saying that I've worried about them because it's like you, you hang so much. Cause yeah, you have the success of like a bunch of social media people and YouTubers. Right. And it's like, they have so much success, but it's like, you can take that chance and I support everyone to go out and chase after their dreams. And if you don't make it, don't tell somebody else that they're not going to make it. Just understand like, you know, you you, had fun chasing after your passion and ultimately like it led you to where you are, but to harp somebody else, make fun of somebody else because of that, like it's terrible. And I, I, I encourage my daughter. She's like, I don't think I draw very well. I was like, and you just gotta keep working at it. And now she's like, she's making logos for other wrestlers. And like, this is a whole other level of like awesomeness that you're getting to. Yeah. Yeah, And I just, absolutely. You have to, you have to encourage people and kids and your kids especially to just go chase after their dreams while they're so like think about what they want to do because i i look back i'm i'm turning 39 this year and i don't even know what i want to do when i grow up so <laughs> why would i why would i expect some 12 year old to know what they're supposed to do when they won't return you know they're still in like middle school right, like now nah, right. bro like wash that for you know send that to send that stuff south man it's not right. worth it I, uh, last episode we did, I interviewed an old high school classmate, kind of said the same thing. Like, like we, neither one of us felt like we're actually grown up yet. <laughs> and <laughs> now my sense of humor is still back in high school and it probably always will be, but, but. <laughs> all right. Well, I think I've asked Clifford Miller enough questions here, folks. When we come back from our final break, we're going to dive into the listener mailbag and we're going to ask him your questions. Don't go anywhere. Not so humble. Bradcast will be right back. What is going on, everybody? My name is Emerson A. Cotton, but my friends call me Adrian. You know what? You can call me Adrian. I'm the host of the Motivational Moves podcast, and I'm also the owner of Motivational Vacation. Right now, Motivational Vacations is going through a Let's just call it a rebranding period right now. But we still need your support. So this is what I want you to do. Swing by emersoncotton.intellitravel.com, sign up and register and book all your trips through that website. Don't go to Expedia. Don't go to Travelocity. Don't go to those other guys. You don't know them, but you do know me. So please, swing by emersoncotton.intellitravel.com and book your next stay on there. And be on the lookout for news from Motivational Vacations. We're not going anywhere. We're just changing things. That's Motivational Vacations. Because sometimes you have to get lost to find yourself. Let's go, baby! When you're done with this wonderful podcast, I have a few others I think you should check out. This time with me. Hi, my name is Jeff Trollitz. Are you a fan of the paranormal? I am. In fact, I am a paranormal investigator. On my bi-weekly show, Real Paranormal Talk, I'll talk about some of my favorite haunted locations. Sometimes I talk aliens, sometimes I talk cryptids, and sometimes I'll even bring you along on an investigation. Not a fan of the paranormal? That's okay. What about music? When was the last time you sat down and listened to an entire album from start to finish? 
I'm ranking tracks, I do that and more. I'll give you my thoughts on each song and rank them in my personal opinion from worst to best. And once a month on Reviews by Jeff, I'll give you a mostly spoiler-free review of a movie. Sometimes a new movie out in theaters, others on a classic movie I recently watched. All this and more right here on CKCC. Not So Humble Bradcast back on the air. And if you like this show, check out all the great shows on CKCC Radio. Subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We are on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio. These episodes will also be going up on YouTube. They are audio only, but that'll be another way for you to listen. Or go directly to Podbean and download the episodes. All right, Clifford, we got a couple of great questions here from the listeners. They might jump around a little bit on the timeline. It's a good mixture of everything we talked about. So you ready to answer a couple of questions? Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) I love it. All right. First question comes from Adrian of Winter Garden, Florida. Hey, I know her. I've known her for literally my whole life. Uh, she has a she has a great question here. How far would you be willing to travel for a wrestling gig, and how long would you be willing to stay away from home? Uh, so funny enough, I will do the drives, right? So it really doesn't to me. I I don't know. It would be it's crazy because I've done the ten plus hour drives, so it's not like I'm foreign to that idea. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I don't know. Wherever anybody wants to have me, I would love to be able to take it out and, and be, be around them. But I'm also, I also do the Brody Lee thing where it's like, uh, I will leave my house at the very last minute that I have to leave. And then the moment that a show ends, I'm back on the road trying to get back home. Uh, it's just, it's just something about family. And, you know, like it goes back to what we were talking about in the previous segment, like just being a dad. It's, it's, it's a great thing. And I know wrestling won't be there for me all the time, but I know that being a dad will be. There you go. Great answer. This one comes from up and coming motivational speaker, Adrian Cotton. You can actually hear his podcast right here on CKCC radio. What is something that your daughter does that actually reminds you of you when you were younger? Oh my God! What doesn't she do? That doesn't remind me of what I do. <laughs> There's a lot. Uh, the one is when I tell her, like, "Hey, I need you to find you, find your." And mind you, it's not like my kiddo is. Uh, I, I don't want to say young. You know, she's she's very much almost a teenager. And like when I tell her, like, "Hey, I'll go grab your." grab your gloves or grab your hat or grab whatever you need to go like to get ready for school and she can't find it. And it's like, literally I'm looking right at it and she's searching the house high and low and can't find it. I was like, Oh my God, I drove my parents crazy with this whole same thing too. And they know I did. And so that's like one of the top ones. And then, uh, well, we know which parent she gets that from. (laughs) And she says certain things that I'll say in the house. And she knows the context and how to say it. So, like, I'll give you a perfect example of this one, right? This is when she was uh, a lot younger. So she's, like, six or seven. Um, I'd always quote Top Gun. So I would just be, like, uh, negative ghostwriter, that, that pattern is full. And so one day I remember asking her, uh, I was like, hey, you got Homer today? She's like, negative ghostwriter. And I was like, you can't say that. And she was like, well, why not? I was like, because you don't know where that's from and you have no context of that movie. 
It's just a cool thing that Daddy says, so I'm just gonna say it yeah. myself. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's funny what they what they pick up too. One of my favorite stories my sister ever told about my niece was uh, their cats weren't allowed in the in the basement in the downstairs mm-hmm. part of the house. And one day, one of the cats got down there, and my sister went, "Ah, oh, shoot!" and basically had to like chase the cat down forever, get the cat back upstairs so she could get my niece off to school or wherever they were heading, and. When her husband came home, it's like, so what happened today? She goes, uh, Dory got downstairs and mommy said, shoot. <laughs> and my sister's like, I'm so happy. That's the word I said, because that's the what she remembered. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, and I'll never forget that. Cause I'm like, that's like the perfect story about what kids pick up on. And all of my friends who have kids who have like a quirk. Or something that they say, I feel like all their kids have picked it up at this point. <laughs> yeah, I they it's crazy to think like you know like uh, I remember there was a show back in the day. I don't want to talk about who was the host, but kids say the darnest things, uh-huh. and it's yeah, it's yeah. incredible to see how you know my daughter has picked up like certain things that my wife does, like certain looks that she gives. I just look right at my wife. And I was like, hey, yo, that's you. Don't look at me. I think like, that's your look. I've only seen that on I've only seen that on one side of the family and it ain't my side. Yeah, so <laughs> it is. So we know we know uh, what she's getting from mom's side too. Yeah, so I know I know how like both sides fit and I'm just like, bro, I just it, it blows my mind how like she she's very like inquisitive, which is definitely not my side. Uh but it's a lot of what my wife likes to do. Uh, but the one thing I definitely think that, uh, the one thing I definitely love that she's taken away is that she, she never, she's very like forth driving. Like she's very driven into what she wants to learn. And that comes from my wife. Uh, my wife is very, has been a very driven person. Uh, in fact, she's had one goal in her life and she's, uh, a comp- well, I don't say only one goal, right? My wife has had multiple goals, but she's had one dream. And she went and she worked her ass off and she got that dream done. Um, and so I look back at my daughter and my daughter is the same way. She's very much like, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm learning this. I'm learning this skill. I'm going to be a master at this skill. And it's been incredible to watch like the journey happen, you know, so big, big, uh, big shout outs, big loves, yes, big credits to my, to my wife. Love to hear it from, uh, the author of the AWO book series on Amazon. You can. Here's his little cheap plug right there, Emerson A. Cotton. Let's say you could sit under the learning tree of any wrestler, or wrestlers actually, living or dead. Who would you pick? Oh, damn. Uh, well, the first one would definitely be Sting. Because, <laughs> I mean, that guy is that guy's amazing. I love watching uh, him. And I feel like the way he mentors people, I, I would just vibe with a lot. Uh, right. I think he would be my my top person because he's also grown up in this, like he's grown up in like obviously like, the old school style of like pro wrestling. But then he also knows how to like modify that, those teachings to now. Um, and I think if I had like, if I'm just picking like one more other person that I would like to, to learn from, I know he's also not a very popular person at this time, but I've been watching him for 30 plus years. So, uh, between Ray Mysterio and Chris Jericho would I guess they'll be ties. But those two, uh the way Chris Jericho constantly reinvents himself and brings himself to like a new crowd, it just it's mind boggling to me. 
and he's just so like relaxed about everything. Like he wants to challenge himself. He finds new ways to challenge himself. He finds new ways to get himself over with the crowd. I think like those three, and then one person that I just want to pick from a modern, uh, uh, more kind of modern, uh, Shane Taylor is the other person that I would love to sit under their learning tree directly under their learning tree. Cause I will be fair. I have two mentors who sit under Shane Taylor's tree and I would also like to sit under Shane Taylor's tree directly. <laughs> There's plenty of room in the shade. We can all sit under the learning tree yeah. together. Exactly. <laughs> all right. And uh, Mr. Cotton asks one more question here. What motivates you to go out there and give it your all every time you step into the ring? I, it's, it's just because I don't think I really need a lot of motivation because this is something that I've been wanting to do since I was a kid. And I think that's really like all the motivation that I need. It's just like if if six year old Cliff could watch what thirty eight year old Cliff is doing now, he would he would be excited. And I think that's the biggest thing is like I would just as a kid like I would just be so in awe of the fact that I know somebody who is doing this and is having fun, uh, just living their life, especially after all the stuff that I've been through. Uh, it, it, it matters. It matters that I get to just sit back and enjoy, uh, this, this roller coaster, uh, called pro wrestling. And then if I ever need some additional motivation, all I really do is I just look at the person who's across the ring for me because that guy or that girl is also very motivated <laughs> to want to put on the best show for the crowd and feed off that energy. And I, I feed off of that too. Very good. From my pal Jeff Trelowitz, he was actually the second interview on this very podcast. You guys can go back and listen to episode two and hear his story. What was the easiest and also the hardest move for you to pick up in pro wrestling? Uh, honestly, <laughs> uh, it's going to sound ridiculous when I say this. Uh, and uh, a former WWE superstar will also say the same thing. Uh, a flip bump, right, was it? in uh in a certain spot uh and the reason why was because instead of just getting up like i'm supposed to normally i was sitting up and trying to get up i didn't realize this is what they wanted me to do so uh taking the hip toss i had taken i think in this one day i took like 20 or 30 hip tosses because i kept doing it wrong and then finally when he stopped me and broke it down was like hey stop getting up this way get up this way uh that's when things like came to light and I was like, Oh yeah, I'll stop being dumb. And I, I started doing it. Uh, I think the easiest move for me to pick up actually was, it, it's weird. Cause I feel like a lot of people have trouble with this move, even though it's really, I, I don't want to sound like braggadocious when I say this, uh, but uh, an arm drag, it was like one of the moves that I learned really quickly. And I love, I love throwing good arm drags. And I think that those are such a, a, a great essentials to like help transition moves. Uh, and I, I, I don't know, I, I feel like I see a bunch of people have trouble like throwing them. Um, so don't between. Don't be ashamed to brag there. I mean, somebody <laughs> might have, somebody probably picked up the hip toss very easily too. So, you know, what's, yeah. what's easy for you could be hard for others and vice versa. It's just how it is. Yeah. But, you know, and well, the thing about learning the hip toss wasn't necessarily like learning to throw one, it was just learning to land. <laughs> the prop, yeah, the proper way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember just being stared at in uh, 
uh set person jimmy oh thank you for all of this he was like uh yeah yeah hey he's like hey man that looks great man let's let's do it again it's like all right yeah let's do it again and i do it again yeah yeah no, that's that's that was really good too let's do it again and that's exactly how it was brought to me yeah no you're doing a great job bro yeah just keep going yeah just keep going hey you know what i'm making you do all this stuff because you keep popping up and sitting up on your butt instead of just going left over right and then standing up and i was like Oh, oh! I thought you really <laughs> thought that I was. I really thought that you were. Uh, you were telling me I was doing a great job taking the hit toss. But yeah, no, those were those were the two. And I think my favorite move to hit is a spine buster, and uh, it was it was another move. one that I. Yeah, and so I've modified mine. So I know a lot of people ask me, they're like, "Do you do it like on, or do you do it like um like Ron Simmons?" And I tell everybody the same thing. I do a combination of both, actually. So where uh, a person will jump up. I call them one arm, but I'll put my hand on the middle of their back and then I sweep their leg out instead of letting, cause obviously you can pick up with both hand, uh, both legs and pick them up in the air and then slam them. But the reason why I like sweeping their leg out is it just looks more devastating and uh, it's just the way I like to tell them. It's my style. So, yeah. you know, I, <laughs> I mean, I'll always be a mark for an Arn Anderson spine buster, but you're right. Ron Simmons had a great one too. Yeah. It was amazing. I loved it. <laughs> Uh, Jeff also asks, what is your absolute favorite thing about being a dad? Uh, you know, funny enough, like my favorite thing about being a dad is just continuing to watch my child grow up and understand concepts and lessons that it took me a while to pick up, but to, to watch her grow and learn and it just be like, just stay true to her is is awesome so i think that would be like my favorite thing is the fact that she doesn't change she understands who she is and she just she loves life so i was like yo i'm just i'm just here as a net now for her just kind of support her and her dreams and i'm just like oh i get to watch her like enjoy life and i think that's important and this is not a question but a statement jeff would like to thank you for your service to our country appreciate it all right this question comes from dan peck what wrestler that has either passed or just isn't able to work again would you love to get inside a time machine in order to wrestle? Bray Wyatt. Oh, good answer. <laughs> good he answer. He is like so the Deadpool gimmick, right? Uh, the the Red Dog gimmick is is a direct pull from uh, no pun intended, no direct pull from Deadpool. Um, but there's so much elements of Bray Wyatt, Wyndham, like there's so much that I've pulled from him from the way that like when he's serious, the way that he delivers his promos to when he wants to be fun and playful, like in a Firefly Funhouse, like there's just so much that I loved watching Bray do, you know, and Brody Lee would be another person that I would definitely throw in there and Owen Hart. Those would be my top three people that I wish I could ever have a match. And I know a lot of people would be like, what about Eddie Guerrero? Yes, Eddie as well. But those three individuals, like Brody just had, uh, he, you know, he had the dad mindset. You know, they always talk about how he'd be like the, the last one to show up to like the arena, but he'd be the first one to leave because he's like, look, man, I'm just trying to be a dad. I just want to go home and just hang out with my sons. Right. And I think that's such a, a beautiful thing to say. And then you have Wyndham, who was like he had this mind for the business that he just knew exactly where everything was supposed to hit when it was supposed to hit. 
and how uh like how loud of a reaction was gonna get. Like when he came back at Extreme Rules and that crowd was so electric for him that the microphone that was pointed directly at him could not pick up that he said, We're here. I was like, bro, that's how you know like you're over in this business. And like he just he just had a way with just being able to get people to be influenced by him and he really didn't have to do a lot and i'd love bray uh and then you know you have the charm you know because right so like i'm i'm panamanian i'm proud to be latin and so to watch eddie guerrero do his thing was is amazing and you know and then obviously like i said uh owen owen could just do everything it was just crazy to see how well that man worked so i think now that I put it out there, I put four out there. Those are those are the guys, but Bray would definitely be number one. Could you imagine just being in a stable with all those guys? <laughs> your own just, your, your own version of the NWO, but it's it's you with Owen, Eddie, and then Brody Lee and Bray Wyatt. And just like the, the sheer the 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 charisma that would just ooze off. So like you have like the steady worker, obviously like Owen could do anything and he was great at cutting promos, but you have like this incredible swag that Eddie would bring to everybody. And then like Bray and just the charisma that Bray like would put out there. And then when Brody, so, you know, Luke Harper was different from obviously Brody, but Brody, like Brody and was so good at everything that he did too. And his, his ability to get the crowd to just like him, even though he was a bad guy, like to, to love him. That was, you know, one of a kind. Absolutely. Great choices. <clears throat> uh, Dan Peck asked a second question here. We sort of touched on this when we talked about the learning tree, but I'll ask this one anyway. Let's say you could take an extensive class or seminar from any wrestler this time. Who would you choose? Oh, uh, I guess it. Mark, oh well, no, so I've already, so I've taken his seminars and I'm a very much a fan of his too. Uh, I'd do it again though. I'd run it back. Uh, if I could, if I could name two, right, I would hope that William Regal is running a seminar because I would love to be a part of his. And then Martin Stone, uh, I'm a massive fan of his and he knows this. And I don't care that people will be like, well, you mark out that yeah, whatever. Uh, Martin Stone is like one of my favorite people to talk to. So to be able to, to, uh, if I got to sit under his seminar and just like hang out with him, it would be, that would be lit. (laughs) That would be awesome. What was the last seminar that you did? The last seminar I attended was a year ago now, um, as we're recording this with Paul London, which was an awesome Mm -hmm. seminar. Learned a ton from him. Uh, what was your last one? Yeah. Uh, I was with Martin Stone. (laughs) Oh, so it was Martin Stone. Okay. It was, and then prior to that, I actually did a seminar with Rich Swan. Okay, that had to be a good seminar too. Yeah, there was two two fun people that I got to learn from. All right, uh, this question comes from Jason Shin of the J Bunnies Music Hub podcast, another great show here on CKCC Radio. Did your time in the Air Force overlap with your time as a pro wrestler, or were they separate eras mm-hmm. of your life? Yeah, so they were separate eras of my life was so crazy is that uh, I left the Air Force in uh, March of 2012. And then I got, 
I I know a lot of people are gonna laugh. I went from being like a hundred and like ninety pounds to two hundred and like thirty five pounds. Uh and then in twenty seventeen my daughter said I was getting kind of squishy and I decided that I needed to get back in shape. <laughs> and so uh I got into really good shape and then in twenty twenty of January I decided that I wanted to start uh getting professionally trained. So that's where that all started. But yeah, there's about an eight year, almost an eight year gap between the two. Okay. You think you would have had any trouble balancing the life if you were doing both? Yeah, <laughs> actually a lot. Uh, so the mission that I was, uh, for those who don't know or don't ever check out my promos, which is fine. Uh, I am very much an unknown. I'm still learning and still growing. Uh, but I always start off my promo saying uh, that I'm the Air Force veteran intel specialist. And uh, in the military, that's what I was uh, big into communications. So I would work certain missions where I would have to just kind of leave at all hours of the night to go help with certain missions that were going on. So I would not be able to juggle the I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to make like commitments to like certain promotions. Right. Because if they're running like on a Saturday, I wouldn't be able to go because nine times out of ten, I'm being called in to go do something. Right. To, to work somewhere. So it would be very, very tough. And, uh, yeah, so I knew the moment, like even going back to college, I had a bunch of friends who all went to college while they were in the Air Force. And I knew for me personally, I needed to be out of the military so that I could go back to school. Yeah. And that's just it. Some people, it's just, it's going to be a, too difficult of a balance. There's nothing wrong with that. But again, yeah. Everybody's different, people. That's the, that's the lesson to take out of this, guys, is, <laughs> is you're all different, and that's okay. If you can't balance it, no one's asking you to. Uh, Jason, Jason's second question here, very interesting one here. You've heard stories back in the day, wrestling schools tried to get the students to quit so they could keep the money without having to do the work of training someone. I've definitely heard some of those horror stories before. Do you feel like any schools are still like that? Because for me personally, I would say no. I don't think any schools really do that anymore. I think we've kind of driven that out. But what do you think? Have you heard, talked to anybody who has been through anything like that? <laughs> yeah, I have. Okay. <laughs> okay, well there you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna talk about. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put names out. I'm yeah, not gonna yeah, yeah. we don't have to bury them. But... Sure. Yeah, no, no, no. But I've definitely heard of some. Uh, horrible incidences that have happened to people. Uh, that's a shame. I really thought people were doing better this day and age, but I guess that's a that's another important life lesson for everybody here is uh, be careful. And that's why they say research the school before you go there. Yep. Don't just pick the school because it's the the easy one or the cheap one. Actually, don't pick it if it's cheap because you're probably getting exactly what you pay for. Facts. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, Clifford, how can people find your podcast out there? Yeah. So if you go to YouTube or you go to Spotify, you go to Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, right? We're on there as well. Uh, and you just look up the three count podcast with the number three. Don't type it out because that podcast no longer is in existence. And we know that because, uh, yeah, I guess they blamed us. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the three count podcast, uh, you can find all of our shows on there. Like I said, we have. Uh, Chads and Friends, which is our live show. Um, if you're listening to the podcast version of it, you probably see it on Monday. Uh, you can check out Now Entering, which comes out every Tuesday. Every once in a while, we drop what's called Now Entering 201, which is just us bringing back 
some of our friend, uh, our, our favorite interviews and just doing another deep down set, uh, deep dive session into wrestling. Uh, you can find our merch store on pro wrestling tees or for your wear.com, which is another place that we definitely enjoy, uh, dropping stuff. And then you can also catch our show on what's called the big plus. I'm sorry. That's a big plus anymore. They changed this to the infinite plus network. Uh, so you can check us out. We run our shows on there live weekly and then we even have our own little channel. So you can actually just check out our video on demand there. I like that they went from big to infinite. That's a good jump. Yeah. Well, it's like, I remember cause like they initially start off with big plus and then they realized that the big plus net, the, uh, the big 12 network or big 10 network, the big 10 network calls their streaming platform, the big plus network <laughs> big the big plus network as well so they're like yeah we're not going to be able to uh persuade them to let us keep using this so we're just going to change this at infinite plus <laughs> all right and then any other plugs you want to throw out there maybe uh social media contacts anything like that yeah so if you guys ever want to find me or just like check out the content i do everything is super simple i promise you it's literally the underscore red dog r-e-d-d-a-w-g 85 anywhere you want to look Twitch, uh, you want to find me on YouTube, you want to check me out on Instagram, Twitter, X, uh, Threads, uh, what else, TikTok, Clapper, whatever, <laughs> whatever you think that there might be a social media platform, I'll probably attach to it. Blue Sky, I just recently found that one. I haven't posted anything on there. I just made sure I locked down the name. But yeah, you can find, you can find, uh, find me on all social media platforms under that name. And of course, TikTok. Yeah, TikTok. You can check out your videos. <laughs> Dude, it was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, no, I enjoyed this. This was a lot of fun. Podcasting is always fun, and that's why I want to have more of you to come on the Not So Humble Broadcast and tell your story. The form is in the description of the episode, but I am starting to get a nice backlog of people, so I may have to shut the form down for a couple of weeks and start catching up here, because I got weeks and weeks of content. But Clifford, Red Dog, whatever you want to call yourself, it was great talking to you. Best of luck in your wrestling career. Be safe out there. Take care of your opponents. And good luck on the podcast. Maybe uh, maybe we can switch gears down the line here, and I can come on and join you guys. Hell yeah. Anytime. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in. And check out another great interview next week on the Not So Humble Bradcast. I am Chris O'Mealy, and we will see you next time.